<laughs> Welcome back to Fundamentalists. Um, after years, <laughs> taking a couple of years off, we're back. Uh, figured, you know, we're all quarantining, no better time to start this back up again. Um, this is Faiza, by the way. My co-host, Mahek, couldn't join us for their, you know, comeback episode, but I'm sure she will be able to for future episodes. Um, she has two little kitties now, which I think is a major development since the last time we recorded something. And so she's tending to them today, but we will. she will definitely join um, for the next couple episodes. Um, today I'm actually joined by a good friend of mine, Manayal Deslagir, who is a doctor in a hospital in Long Island. And I wanted to talk to her just about her experience during all of this, um, what she's learned, the kind of decisions that they she's had to make in a time of crisis and just her whole experience throughout this whole process. I thought it'd be really interesting to share with you guys, especially from the perspective of a South Asian woman who's on the front lines of this um, whole basically pandemic. Um, so I'm actually going to let Manile introduce herself um, and tell us a little bit. Well, Manile, why don't you tell us a little bit about... <laughs> oh, you know what? We have a tagline too. I forgot. Fundamentalists. It's basically a podcast about the weird shit that happens in the South Asian community, um, and that's kind of what this is. So yeah. uh, with that, Manayal, go ahead, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do um, and how you be. Okay. Hey, guys. I'm Manayal. I'm, um, you know, known Faiza for a very, very, very long time, and she asked me to be on this podcast today just to talk a little bit about um, what it's like to kind of be on the front lines of this whole pandemic um, issue. So I'm a hospitalist um, in Long Island, New York. Um, a hospitalist is basically an internal medicine doctor um, that uh, kind of takes care of patients in the hospital when they're sick and when they get better, we send them back home. Um, and I work with adults. Um, you can be a, like a pediatric hospitalist and they work with kids, but I'm uh, just a doctor for adults. So. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so I want to take us back to a couple months ago, which seems like eons and eons yeah. ago, I'm sure. But I want to just uh, get a sense from you on, like, how did your hospital prepare you and other frontline workers for this? Like, what were the policies and protocols that were put in place? Like, how did they prep you for this? So, you know, quite honestly speaking, this kind of hit us really hard. We we're not prepped at all. Um, mm. We did not expect this to come here. Um, even days, you know, leading up to when our first uh, COVID positive patient came to the hospital, um, we were just kind of blindsided by it when when that actually happened. Um, even though they had, I think at that point, right, um, there had already been like that one girl who would remember she'd come from like Iran and um and then that um lawyer in New York City we were kind of all like okay that's in New York City that's in New York City that's you know they've contained it or what the media kind of portrayed whereas like okay well we've contained this and we've traced all the contacts and we still were like not prepared like our our hospital did not talk to us about any of this and when that first patient did show up in the ER um, and they called us and said, okay, like we have someone that needs to be ruled out for coronavirus, um, I think it hit all of us. Um, I remember where I was kind of a thing. Um, mm. I was sitting next to one of our, you know, our um, 
our directors and he was actually floored and 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 didn't know what to say and I think and I think we were just we were just not prepared at all that at all so then I mean you are you're married. You have two young kids. How old is Zoya now? Zoya, oh my God, I don't know. Zoya's Zoya like twenty five. <laughs> Zoya's twenty five. No, um, she's she's gonna be four in July. Um, and Noah's yes. um eighteen months. Yeah, so pretty young. So how did you and your husband kind of dis- how did you how do you prepare yourself for something like this, knowing that you're on the front line, you're gonna be exposed to right. it. You have two young right, kids. Right, right. You live in New York City. It was really tough. It was kind of like, um, you know, uh, Nihan was really skeptical. Um, he was like, no, you're being, you know, it's fine. We're going to be okay. Like, uh, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and I was like, no, you need to leave. Like, you know, we had, I think my concern was just seeing all the pictures out, out of China, out of Italy, like these doctors dressed up in like hazmat suits. And knowing that our hospital was not providing that to us um, was beyond frightening. Um, And I was just really worried that I was going to get sick and pass it on to my kids, uh, pass it on to my husband, pass it on to my nanny. Um, And I pretty much literally told him, I was like, you need to leave. It wasn't really a a decision that we made. I kind of didn't really give him a choice. I was like, you got to go. Like, you got to go. You got to get out of here. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, um, but you, you just need to go. And we, we actually thought about it. He thought I was being um, dramatic. Uh, but, you know, I think when he eventually did leave to his parents, he realized, you know, um, how truly bad it is in New York City. Um, so. So how is he... How are the kids up there? He has his parents. Oh, my God. They're um, so good. You know, honestly, like, it just amazes me how kids can be so flexible. And I just feel like Mm -hmm. we just don't give kids, like, the benefit of the doubt um, a lot of the times. But they're having a great time. Zoya does not want to come home. She literally, Mm -hmm. I told her, I was like, okay, like, you know, you may have to come back here. Like, mom's going to come see you. Um, soon, um, it's been like almost two months since I've seen them. And she was like, well, I don't know, mommy, like Dadu may cry for me. Like, I don't know if I want to come. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Um, but they're doing good. Alhamdulillah. Like I can't, you know, it's like a, a best case scenario in a bad situation. Like my husband's with them. They're with their nanny there. They're with both their grandparents who like love them, love them, um, to bits and pieces. Um, so, uh, I feel very comfortable and and it is definitely something that um you know after like a long hard day at work i feel very thankful that they're that they're safe and they're loved and they don't miss me <laughs> like yeah. i think they're having like a great time and it's ramzan and like you know they're doing all sorts of like awesome things with their grandparents like praying yeah eating samosas like patties like i don't know like they're living it up i'm yeah. kind of jealous to be honest yeah. i mean you're also in a very like privileged position Absolutely. in that you could you're you know you're you have a partner who could take the kids somewhere relatively close and that you have like a family that could support you in this time. yeah I'm, I'm very uh, which I think is yeah, and I know I know, I know so other nice. people just don't have that uh, luxury. I know I've I've had yeah. colleagues and coworkers who are in apartments with their kids, with their newborns, and you know, 
they they can't leave their families because um, there's no one to help them. They don't have family nearby. So they initially took that risk in the beginning and it was really difficult. Um, you know, we've been on quarantine now. I think the governor was saying 64 days. So um, in my group, we have not had anyone contracted this virus. So our, our PPE is mm-hmm. working. Thank God. We just didn't know if it was going to work. I think that was everybody's right. concern, like seeing all these people wearing like helmets and, and these like crazy suits. And all we had were like masks and like goggles. Mm-hmm. And like gowns and our necks are exposed and our and we're wearing scrubs and like the bottom of our like our clothes are exposed. So we were like, oh, my God, like we're going to get it. We're going to spread it to other people. Um, so, you know, I think. So take all... me through. OK, yeah. So I, I want to know a little bit more like take me through like a, a regular work day for you. What does that look like? <sighs> um, and how has it changed? So guess, pre-COVID, like, versus, like, yeah. So, I mean, you know, honestly speaking, I'm sure every hospital has gone through this. We had to redeploy about 30 or to 50 uh, non-hospitalist physicians across our health system alone. So that means like, uh, like gynos and psychiatrists. Yes, and, yes, you, yeah. yes. And it was heartbreaking to see these people come to work and, and literally not know what to do. Um, but they did such a great job. So, I mean, pre-COVID, it was just like a few of us hospitalists, like 10 to 20 of us. And we would have teams with the residents, you know, 16 patients, you know, and some of us would have 10 patients when we were on non-teaching, not with the residents. And a normal census, like patient census for us would be like maybe 100 to 200 patients. Like on a bad winter day when it's like flu season, we'd have up to 200 and we'd Mm. be like busting out of the seams and like, you Mm. know, um, you know, just like calling in extra people to help. And our census went up to like 500 coronavirus patients. And we had about at a time like 100 to 120 patients intubated about um, roughly about so in our hospital alone, um, you know, across the health system, it was way into the thousands, you know, I, you know, work in a really big uh, hospital system. Um, So we had to really just call a lot of help in. Um, and I have, was working next to pediatric neurologists and they don't, they haven't seen an adult in, in years and they did just such a good job. We basically, you know, um, it, it was just, I, I don't, it was just mayhem. Um, you know, those first few weeks it was, you know, you know, I, I was sitting next to a few people who are not medicine doctors and they were just, they had a lot of questions, um, but they handled it really well. And you could tell the distress on their face. And I just felt so bad for them because we see this, this wasn't a, you know, we treat these patients. I'm used to it. I'm a hospitalist. I know what to do. And, you know, if you put me in a gyne- in a gynecologist clinic, I'd be so confused, you know? Right. Um, and you have these, like, you know, these ob- literally these OBGYN doctors taking care of medicine patients. And, and you know, some of them are, like, in their 40s and 50s, and they haven't seen, like, practiced medicine in years. And it was, it was just really sad to see. Um, it was really hard. Um, because they felt helpless, I felt helpless, and I don't know, somehow we got through it. We're still going through it, it's a lot better, but it, it was just, you know, it was just really bad, you know, um, emotions were running really high all the time, um, uh, people didn't know where to go, what to do, 
it was like, I don't know, I was like bumping into people in the hallways of these COVID units and, you know, um, none of these people got orientation, you know, so they were just like, how do I put this on? How do I take my N95 off? And I was just trying to help as many people as I could. And in my head, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, this is this is a mess. And we we did not see it coming at all. Yeah, I think there is just, in general, this sense of surrealism. Like, one, time doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. Right? Like, and the way the world works doesn't make sense anymore. Absolutely. And then your, just your way of life completely changes. And so I'm wondering just, like, how have you adapted just in your personal life to, like, everything that's going on without around you? Because... You're still you're still working. You're still having to go into the hospital. You're dealing with this on the front lines, and then you're coming home to a, basically an empty house. <laughs> and then, kind of like, how, how do you entertain yourself, or how do you keep your you know how do you keep yourself sane when you're having to deal with this on on a daily basis in your work life, and then coming home and probably talking about it even more right. with friends and family and reading news and things like that. I mean, it's really hard. I have like some really, uh, you know bad days. I think, I, th- I honestly think like the days that I am working, um, I'm so tired and I'm exhausted that I really don't have time to process my day. Um, but those days that I do get off, um, there, I have some really good days and I can't explain why, where I just feel a little calm. I, I feel a little happy. Um, but those days that I, I, that I, that I am struggling I do, you know, I do reach out to my colleagues a lot. We've really, um, really had each other through this. Uh, I'm also very lucky to have such like amazing friends and, um, you know, we have FaceTime and I, I, I'm the type of person that I don't really hesitate to, to reach out. Like if I'm struggling, like I'll reach out to a friend and, and just be like, I'm having a bad day. And, um, you know, I if I'm feeling sad, like my parents don't live far from the hospital that I work at. So I'll drive up and you know, my mom or my brother will, will cheer me up and, um, but, but it's hard, you know, I, I think that I still haven't developed the adequate coping skills that I, I, I think I should have, but, um, I think things that as simple as just kind of, um, you know, reaching out to your loved ones and, and kind of doing that and then taking, um, the happiness and doing the things for yourself. Like I, I love, um, I love like skincare products, so I'll like, you know, I'll go into the bathroom. I'll, I'll like, you know, put a face mask on. I'll take a bath. Um, those kinds of things um, really do help. But 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 overall, like it, it it has been hard. You know, I can't say that I've I've um, you know, I've mastered my my issues and I, I've sat down and and been like, okay, well, you know, I'm feeling sad today, and these are the things that I'm gonna do to make myself happy. Um, uh, but 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 I am trying to take a proactive approach to kind of managing um, my feelings, whether it be to read a book or to reach out to a friend or to maybe watch some uh, TV, um, you know, this is kind of a learning process, I feel like. And I, and, I, and I don't think it's just me. I feel like we're all going through this, right? Like, yeah. I mean, at least for me, like sometimes I feel bad because I'm like going to work at least. And it's like normal, right? I sit with my colleagues and I've, I've had these same colleagues for four years. They've become my family at this point. I see them more than my actual family. Like I feel like we're all from the same household. We joke about it. Like maybe we should just go all out. Like I spent eight, nine, 10, 12 hours with these guys. Like why yeah. why not, yeah. you know? Um, but I at least I have that, you know, but, you know, I I, I don't 
sometimes I'm like, I can't, if I'm going through this and I know I'm seeing it, like, you know, other people who've been furloughed from their jobs and, you know, don't have family nearby, like, I don't, like, I wonder, like, what they're also going to, it must be very similar. I I don't know. um, Yeah, I think for someone who, like, like, thankfully, I still have my job and I can, I can do my job from home. And I'm also very lucky in that I have an office in my apartment in right. New bougie, York, bougie. Like, <laughs> it's a fucking luxury that I life. do not take for, yeah, I do not take it for granted. <laughs> it is something that I really, really appreciate because I have, like you said, like I have colleagues and coworkers who don't have that yeah. luxury. And so they have to sit at their dinner table and they have kids and they don't, they can't like, you know, close the door. Like yeah. I close the door when I come in to start my work day. And, um, that's been really helpful, but I, I can't believe that I kind of miss my commute, you right. know, like that, uh, that, like that helps me kind of get ready for the day or um, at the end of the day, wind down. Like I miss that. And I miss just like being in a room with people working. Um, and it, it's, it's just like when you, when you're, whole like routine gets is is totally wiped out and you don't have that structure anymore and trying to rebuild that can be really difficult like I know when I for me that the first week was actually totally fine we kind of um had expected it and that first week we were like okay we're gonna just work from home and then see what happens so super productive was like getting up at like you know, eight o'clock, which is early. Damn, everybody with kids up, like, right now is cringing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I get up uh, right before I have to. So, like, and I had my whole routine. Like, I got up, I would make myself a smoothie. I change into like clo- change into clothes, right, right. and was like getting work done. And then, then I just hit like this wall. And for two weeks was just in a complete spiral, like real down, like depressed, like felt paralyzed by my anxiety because I was like, what the fuck is happening? I know. And I I realized for myself that structure and routine is really important. So like the past week and a half has been actually better for me. I think I'm like slowly learning, okay, these are the things that work for me and that I I need to keep that structure of like nine to five, five thirty six. And then I need to work out. And that was something that I was not doing pre-COVID. Like, that was not part of my daily routine, working out. But I'm like, this is something I need to do because I'm not commuting anymore. I'm not going outside. I'm not creating – like, there's no physical activity happening other than doing that for myself. And then – um, we talked about this a little bit, just like being okay with not being super productive. Absolutely. It's okay not to do it. So how – like, what advice would you give to other frontline workers who are, like, going through – something similar I guess my advice to be uh would be just it's okay to like be sad um it's okay to be angry I think the one of the things that I most struggled with was my anger um which I was kind of taken aback with like the sadness I understood because I was having really tough con I was seeing people dying you know like I um uh, it's really difficult for me to talk about uh, without uh, getting emotional. But, but I, I was having really tough, like, conversations with families, like, telling them, I don't know if mom's going to get better. I don't know if dad's going to get better. And um, and it really messed me up. Um, and, and I'm still not – I'm still in it, and I'm still trying my best to cope with it. And, you know, that's kind of the trauma of all of this stuff. But 
Mm-hmm. With that being said, that was I just did expect it to be sad. I didn't expect it to be happy, but the anger was something that kind of took me aback, like how angry I was. And I guess I just want to tell other frontline healthcare where it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be angry. Um, we're going through something um, that's very similar to what um, I have heard from other people who are in the military, um, like military doctors mm-hmm. saying that this is kind of what war feels like a little bit um you know because I have honestly I have not but I'm in this like physician's mom group and there's a lot of military doctors out there and they're saying this is very similar to what they've seen abroad um so the trauma is very real um but I think it's the anger um Mm -hmm. and it's okay and then my advice to them would just be to seek out help like to get help um you know, don't be afraid to tell people how mad you are. Don't be afraid to cry. Don't be afraid to 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 get help. Um, that that's kind of what I would tell them because I think I struggled with that. I think I struggled with the complexity of my emotions. I thought I was it was going to be sad. I knew that, but I didn't realize how isolating it would be. Um, I didn't realize how angry I would be. Um, What are you angry about? Because, I mean, I know I've gotten texts, like, angry texts from you, like, about somebody's, like, Instagram and, like, hanging out and not practicing social distancing, but, like, what is the anger I think the anger is that, like, but this is going to sound so dramatic, but I guess, like, going to work is, like, it's been, like, hell. Like, going to work, you know, these past few weeks, it's been, like, an absolute nightmare. Um, the amount of anxiety that I've had before work, and I know I'm not alone because my my coworkers have the most calm coworkers, the most cool coworkers, like people that I've thought were like rocks. You know, um, I I'm by nature like I'm an emotional person. You know, I'm a dramatic person. I'm you know very in touch with my feelings. I think a lot. I dwell a lot. I know that's how I am. But people that to me that I've worked with for four years and I'm like, this person's like, you know, a beast and, you know, they've expressed the same feelings. Um, and, and I think that the anger comes from just being jealous of other people, like not having to go through this almost like, you know, I would love to sit out in Central Park and, and sit right. six feet away from someone and wear a mask. But I know that, that that's not that that's not scientifically based like I don't know where the six feet came from. Um, you know, there there have been studies. They're saying at least six feet. It really should be 13 to 15 feet feet based on the, the JAMA and New England Journal of Medicine articles that I've read. So that is false. People, there's, I think, um, false um, information being spread out there, you know, that makes me angry too. And, and people, they're just really taking things at face value. It's not their fault. I know it's not their fault. But they're just like, it's okay if I take my mask off. I'm six feet away. And I'm like, no, like, that's insane. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that's not that's not science, you know? So I guess I'm angry about that. I'm angry that there's just a lot of false information. I'm angry that other people, like, just don't get that, you know, really, we should really be inside, you know? Really just go out for, like, um 
groceries and things you want to take a walk go ahead i know everyone's mental health is like so important right now and everybody is going insane and it's really hard you know i mean we've already like in the hospital have had like a few domestic abuse cases come and it's and it's heart-wrenching um go outside for sure but i just i can't understand these people who are just like sitting in the park for like six hours like six seven hours like without masks and just I find that really interesting because I know we talked talked about this right before we started recording, but it was just like, I don't want to go outside. That gives me, like, I am perfect. And it's crazy. I don't understand people who can't sit inside. I know. Just like, that's the dream. But for me, it's just, I find it more, um, it makes me more anxious to think about having to go outside for a walk or something like that. I can't, and I used to love walking aimlessly, but I don't want to do that anymore just because there's like... I don't know, like you said, there's so much misinformation. We still don't know just, like, what this virus is, what it's going to look like. Is this going to be a seasonal thing that we're just going to have to live with? Or is it going to go away? How long this is going to just, it's going to take for us to recover economically? And the fact that people are playing a little fast and loose. Yeah. And and it makes me a a little upset. And I'm not on the front line, right? Like, this, my job has nothing to do with this stuff. So, like can't imagine yeah. what it's like for I, nurses and yeah. people or even grocery store workers oh, absolutely. who are essential. Well, like see people take it really, you know, be really cavalier about it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, even the people who clean the rooms in the hospital, people who bring the the, the, the food trays, you know, the people who are cleaning the trays from one to 4am, like I'm, I feel terrible for them. And I want these stores to open. I want to go back to normal. But if we, I think if this keeps happening, I don't really see it happening. And that makes me angry. Like, I want to get my eyebrows done. Like, I can't. Like, I'm mad. I look terrible. Um, you know, and, I, and I, I've seen firsthand what this virus does. And if anyone is listening to this and if anyone takes anything away from what I'm saying is just this, this is the nastiest virus I have ever seen. Um, I think it really didn't hit me that this was bad like I knew it was bad but it was still like shocking right I was still like is this really that bad like you know and then I bumped into this you know you know I work with some great like physicians who've published articles who are who have are actually like experts in coronavirus and I went up to one or two of them and they're my colleagues I'm like is this I was like this is bad right and they're like yeah this is really bad and these people have been practicing like for 40 years of medicine and nothing scares them and then this our head of the chief of the infectious disease you know program was just like this is really bad like this is really bad um i've seen this virus like tear families apart i've i've you know people i've seen them struggle to breathe um i've had people ask me please help me like you know um it's really hard um coming home and then opening watching the news and then you know, like seeing people just like sitting in Central Park without masks. Yeah, and even these protesters in other states that are like protesting stupid social distancing. Yeah, so Uh, so what, I know you started talking about this, but like what advice would you give people who are mandated to stay at home and maybe may not take this as right so you know everything's a calculated risk um at this point um i would really just recommend people that if you know 
please stay away from vulnerable populations, stay away from pregnant people, stay away from the elderly, stay away from people who have, you know, health issues, hypertension, diabetes, those that are immunosuppressed, please protect them, please don't go near them. Um, if, you know, you want to go outside and you want to sit in Central Park, please wear your mask at all times. Please don't take them off to take selfies. Um, you know, minimize the time that we're going out. It's okay to go out. Like, you know, it's fine. Like, just because I'm not going out doesn't mean anyone else doesn't need to go out. That's just me and my comfortability level. I don't know what other people are going through. I go to work, at, like, mostly, you know, a f you know, every day. So I get out, you know, that's for me. But... Just please keep your masks on, uh, masks on, and if you need, you know, the the requirement is at least six feet. But you really, sh people really should be sitting like thirteen feet apart. Like I, I just, it's insane. Like I, I can definitely link some articles. I know people are like, you know, you really should look at evidence behind these recommendations, but you know, just, just keep to stay apart. Please wear a mask. Um, I think the governor was really great about touching upon it. Like it's disrespectful not to wear a mask. Like we're working our butts off um, and taking this risk. So that, that would just really be it, you know, um, just really maintain social distancing. Please stay away from vulnerable populations. Um, really, people really should only be going out for what they need. But I understand the weather's going like it's so nice. I want to go outside. I want to, you know, take walks and stuff. Um, but but yeah, like just stay away from people. Keep your mask on. Everyone sh at this point like should be wearing a mask. There are just yeah. no excuses. Um, right. I don't understand why people are taking them off to take pictures. Like, like it's fine. Just keep it on. Yeah, and I think also that masks are probably going to be the way of oh, the future like that's I think it's going to be part of our daily lives now um I didn't want to ask you just right. like what have you what have you learned about yourself in this time oh my god um I don't know I think I think I don't know I've learned oh, this is such a hard question I hate you <laughs> I mean, so, you know, I think I've learned a, a few things about myself. Um, I guess one would be that um, I, I didn't think, like, I mean, I guess in terms of, like, being a physician, you always, like, doubt yourself. You know, you're always like, you know, am I doing this right? Am I a good doctor? Like, I don't know. But I think after this, like, just having the conversations with these patients' family and them just thanking me for just even calling them and updating them um, made me realize that, like, I, I am a good doctor. I don't know. I know that sounds so silly, but, but of course, like, you know, I don't know how to explain it. It's, I, no, I know, I know medicine. I know, I know yeah. medicine. I know medicine, but, but sometimes like you always wonder, like, you know, I just hope that I'm a good, you always want to just be a good doctor. Like, that's just like, mm -hmm. you know, when you're a physician, you get that, you just want to be known as like a good doctor and you never really know if you're a good doctor. I know I'm practicing medicine correctly. Like, I know I'm calling the right people in the hospital. I know I discharge people. Mm -hmm. Of course, like, you know, in our hospital, they give us, like, these metrics, like, you know, how long how long your patients stay and do your patients like you. Like, I get those numbers, so I know them, and they're pretty mm -hmm. good. But I never really knew that, like, how, how you know, if I was really just being, like, a good doctor and there. For, I think being there for people is also really important. So I know there's been so many, you know, I'm calling these families and they're just like, you know, thank you so much for just like listening to me cry. Right and now. and I and so I just felt 
heartbreaking. So yeah, it was heartbreaking, but it also made me feel like, okay, like I'm doing something. Like I, I told them, I was like, mm. you know, they would be apologizing and I'd be like, no, it's okay. Like, just cry. Like, I don't, I'll cry with you. Like, and it actually made me feel, even though like with this virus, there's, we're really not honestly, like from the medicine standpoint, we're not doing much for these patients, you know, other than giving them oxygen and trying to enroll them into clinical trials. Like, I'm really not doing much, but the one thing that I was hoping to achieve was just to be there for the families and be a good doctor in that way. So I learned that I was kind of just being that support. So that was good. And I kind of had the ability to do that because I didn't think I was, I didn't think I was capable. You know, you, you're, you always think that you're not good enough in, in that sense. So I, I learned that I was capable of being there for, for these people and providing them comfort. Um, so I learned that, and I guess the other thing that I learned was that um, I'm good at being alone. I didn't think that I, I hmm. was, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm okay. Like, I think uh, the one thing that I think this is probably taught not just me, but, like, everybody is that um, we're okay. Like, we'll be okay. Like, we're pretty self-sustainable human beings, I feel like, you know, not um, – having my family around um and their you know obviously their like physical like contact and support um was hard but I learned that like I'm I'm okay and I can do things and I can kind of manage my expectations um that way that's really important I think that that like you don't really know what you're capable of until you're in a crisis like that and so that's probably the one good thing that could come out of this is just like now you know what you're capable of. Right, absolutely. You know that you can like put that imposter syndrome to rest because during a global pandemic, being a frontline worker, being in the thick of it, having and being responsible for people's lives, like you you were up to the task. Yeah. You were able to do it. And you're able and, and you know, like I think people oftentimes take it for granted that mm-hmm. like they can't like that they have this for a lot of people it's just like oh okay I have the time now to do xyz and that this luxury that this isn't necessarily luxury this isn't working from home this is being mandated to stay at home during a pandemic Absolutely. and that just like remember that and think about that as you're going through your daily life and I I wonder just what what do you wish you knew before that you oh know my now? God. I mean all of it like I just I just wish we knew that this was coming I wish that we um had time to procure more PPE um I wish that we all of it yeah just all of it honestly like I wish we knew I wish we could have prevented this um somehow like you know um or how do you think I guess maybe another way to look at it is like how would you how do you think you this is going to change your approach to medicine and like your personal life do you think it'll have a lasting effect or do you think yeah you're just gonna like return to normalcy once things have come no down? so that's the thing that we all are talking about we don't think things are ever gonna be the same 
um i don't think we're ever gonna go back to normal like even now like you know thank god i'm sure you guys have like you know been following the governors like statistics and stuff but like definitely our hospitalization rates are low um and you know for now in our hospital um we are seeing more medicine patients you know and there's less coronavirus patients right so as I'm seeing those, you know, more more medicine patients, um, I'm still wearing my N95 in those rooms. Um, I'm too scared to not wear it, and I think right now the recommendations like just just wear it if you feel like you do. Otherwise, a surgical mask is is good enough. But we're we're never gonna be the same. I think we're never gonna. The hospital's never gonna be the same. Um, I think we're. So what does the new normal look like then? I think we're going to be wearing sur- I think we're going to be wearing masks for like the next 2 years. Um I think mm-hmm. we're going to be you know maintaining social distancing for a while. Um and whether that means like you know gatherings of like 40 to 50 people versus like you know capping it at 100, I don't know. But I just can't see things like concert or basketball games happening for a while. Like I can't see these like 400 person like busy weddings in July that we go to like I just don't see that happening. Um I think all of it's really going to change. And, and that's why I think, like, I am so angry because I, I, I want, like, people to understand that, like, the longer we prolong this, the longer we're away from, you know, things ever going back to normal. I think they will. I, I have – listen, if we got over, like, the, the Spanish flu and, like, the bubonic plague, like, from, like, 18 – you know, the beginning of 1900s, we'll get through this. Like, I don't know if there's going to be a vaccine, but I, I know that we will get through this. I just think it's a matter of, like – when at this point but Mm -hmm. it's not in the near future um and i don't think things are going to be that normal i don't i i just don't see it happening i don't see basketball games happening i don't see concerts happening i'll be honest with you even going back to work like if you work in like a place where there's like 30 or 50 people and like you know like we works like i don't see we works happening like (laughs) right i mean we have an open concept floor we actually right before this all happened we were mandated to stay at home we were supposed to move to another floor that was even more open right and even more um we were we were instead of having our cubicles we had benches and we were closer to our colleagues right and like six um six person tables Not and happening. so all of that needs to be redesigned oh, absolutely. and rethought say i think like the cubicles are definitely in a way make its way back which is completely <laughs> yeah. fine i'm so down for a cubicle um like i want a sneeze guard around my yeah and absolutely now. as you should um you know i just i you know water coolers forget about it that's never happening you know like yeah um th- just you know things like that i think i think we're we're gonna be very things are gonna be really different for a while and I think that's okay yeah I think that's okay yeah I mean the way I look at it as far as like the positive to come out of this is just like embracing tech and making work um or just making it work more flexible right so mm-hmm. my team our VP was a, or SVP were a little hesitant to allow people to work from home regularly and now they don't really have that no. excuse anymore mm. because we're arguably more productive in this time when we're working from home okay. and um people are able to make do with just like their tiny screens you know yeah. they don't have like their big monitors and once again I'm very lucky in that I have a big monitor <laughs> don't you have two screens? I have a real sweet setup I have my laptop and then I have yeah you have like two screens monitor, so I like, yeah I think I'm, uh, I think also we're 
I think maybe this is goes I think everyone's just a lot more thankful too for and like mm-hmm. you realize like you know I think after like this whole thing the one great thing is I think you realize like who you actually love I know that sounds so oh, yeah. silly but like really love like I mean not just like okay like I love this person but like these are the people that you're like literally like I'm dying to like I cannot live with like I need to see them like I love these people like these people are my life mm-hmm. I think that really also comes into to light yeah um, what do you think? That's what I was going to ask. Like, what's, what What do you think has surprised you the most out of this? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think that, I mean, you know, um, so I think that was really funny because this kind of, this thought came into my head yesterday um, and I was talking to my husband and he had, you know, oh my God, I married, like, I'm such an affectionate person and he's like the complete opposite. And literally he told me he missed me yesterday. <laughs> And I thought he was joking, and I was like, you're kidding me, right? He's like, no, like, I actually really miss you, and I'm like, okay. And I mean, of course, when we were dating, like, you know, you say those things together, and we've been married on for, like, five years, and, you know, we have two little ones, so it definitely gets, like, you know, we don't have, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about, we're talking to each other through the kids. So I think, like, he's just like, I'm like, yeah, I miss you, too, and and I'm like, oh, man, I love it. <laughs> oh, my God, I do love I was like, you. I really do husband. love my husband, you know? <laughs> sometimes we're just like you know we're just like you know like i'm like don't do this don't do like it's it's fine like you know i love him with two kids and you're living in new york city apartment and we're like on top of each other and like it's hard and i i mean i think that's probably like a good thing because what was it was it a statistic out of china when every (laughs) state home measures lifted it was like 80 percent of people filed for divorce right after something ridiculous (laughs) they saw like an 80 percent increase i know so I guess that's what it like reaffirmed your relationship. Oh, definitely, it definitely reaffirmed my relationship with my husband. Sorry, <laughs> there ever was a doubt. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. Like that. And then like I I find myself like calling the same you know calling the same people. Grab. I mean like mm-hmm. you know with with us like you know we're we're we talk on the re- I mean even though we I think we were regulars anyways but like yeah. really affirmed that like okay like you're like a a constant in my life mm-hmm. um and of course like since we've been like forced friends from from childhood <laughs> yes this is very true <laughs> sometimes we're just like are we just like used to each other but like no really yeah. like you know I found comfort in in calling you like you know talking to our our other friends too where I'm like okay like this is this is my comfort this is my sanity um those are the yeah. great things about it where it's like no matter yeah. what happens like these are my constant people these are the people that I love and these are the people even if I hate them in a year like I will look back at this and I'll be like okay even if she's a, a biatch right now whatever like I'll have to forgive her <laughs> yeah 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 I think that is very important it's definitely made me more appreciative of the relationships that I do have in my life like friendships and family and all of that like my mom got married Yay! she got remarried and it was and she was supposed to have, like, a proper wedding and all of that in, in April, and that didn't end up happening. And so she was like, fuck this noise. I'm still doing it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and it made me just appreciate. And so we did, like, literally a Zoom um, nika. She did a, a, her Islamic marriage ceremony over Zoom, and I, I went um, home, and we had, I don't know, at one point it was almost over, like, 60 people on the Zoom call just, like, watching her get married which was really really nice and like oh my they gosh, my you're such aunts, a great family and such a big family mashallah it's such a big family yeah. and and the night before my aunt like hit me up like the morning um uh, like friday morning was like uh we're gonna do a m- mandy 
<laughs> a Zoom Mandy the night before. And so, like, everybody has to get dressed up. And so we all had to get dressed. It was, like, the first time I put on makeup in, like, over a month and did my hair. And then we all just, like, Zoomed each other. And, I mean, they had the best. My aunts and uncles had, like, the best time ever. They were, like, living their best life on this Zoom yes. Mandy. And then my, my brother and sister and I were, like oh, yeah, our la- my laptop's going to die after a while because we were just like, this is just for them, really. But it was just so nice to, like, ha- the, the, these people actually took the time out, even though everybody has the time, but it's still, like, effort and that they no, were excited it about effort. it enough. Um, it's effort. Yeah, to do it's it. Effort. It's still effort right. because, like... Nobody wants to do anything. Nobody wants to do anything. We're all yeah. in a rut. We're all... Yeah. It's hard to even, you know... Just like you said, like put on like regular like clothes that are not the clothes you sleep in. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like yeah, which I'm still in. Me today, too. Me Sunday. too. Me too. It's Sunday. It it's matter. fine. Like who cares? Like and that goes back to like just you don't have to be pretty. Like it's okay, you know. To mm-hmm. just do you? Yeah. But. I think that's super. Important. I don't know, man. Coronavirus. This this thing really sucks. Like. Yeah. Uh, it's. I think it's just going to. I think it's also just like being millennials too we've had so many worldwide (laughs) events happen to us whether it's like economic or wars or whatever um but it's gonna be really interesting I think just from like a like an anthropological oh my god totally perspective just like how this is going to change everything because it touches all aspects it does of our lives right it touches medicine it touches like business it touches our finances it touches just like people's social routines routines and all of that so i think it's gonna be very very interesting how this all ends up playing out over the next couple of years and how people are able to adapt i think that's the one thing that you're we're seeing more than anything is just like the how adaptable the human spirit really is yeah, and we have to. We have and to adapt. I think I don't think we have a choice otherwise. Yeah. Um it's really at, it's really is at risk of people's lives. I mean, this thing is so super contagious. Um and right. I've, you know, uh, you know, we've had um I've had colleagues who lost parents. I've had, you know, my interns and residents lose family members and yeah. um I, you know, um where I trained, where I did my medicine residency, we lost, uh, like, an amazing, like, intensivist uh, in attending, and he was wonderful and, like, a legend. And, it, you know, we just – we really just need to do this for, like, uh, the greater good of society. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, I, I, heck and I used to – It's I'm so rusty. I'm like, what did we – how did we use to end this? I know we used You should have, like, though. reviewed. <laughs> I should have looked – yeah, I know, but I hate listening to my voice so much. I think my voice is disgusting, so I can't. Oh, God. No, your voice is fine. Mahek's voice is so um, buttery. Like It's like, uh, I find, she's like, it's like ASMR, listening to her. It's like speak. so soothing. Like, yeah. <laughs> like a, I feel like I sound like a like a 12-year-old boy who just drank a bunch of milk. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what that sounds like, but it's probably like, you. Like, just like. Like I don't know. I don't sound. I don't sound, I don't sound great voice. either. I don't have a great voice. No, I think you're um, fine. I don't know. No, I don't think so. Um, but I think we used to end it. This is so terrible. But you know what? It's Corona. <laughs> it's Corona time. <laughs> what? No, nothing, please. Nothing. Nothing matters anymore. But um, usually we end it on something like something positive. Okay. We've learned. Yeah. Um, which I think we've kind of we talked on. about. Like you know, so, I think. Yeah guys like whatever whoever's listening but like you know 
sit like I mean really sit down and think about the the past like you know two months like who you've reached out to and like who you've called and who those those are people that you actually love and like you know just just remember that that's it yeah I think that's super just remember that I think it's really nice these are really hard times and you know we will remember this forever this is what our generation had to go like in America had to go through like you know I think as bad off that we think things are they're not as bad as they are in other countries like I like I said Mm. I always try to remind myself like okay regardless you know we're in this but we have all running water we have heat we have food, we have groceries, but like those people in those refugee camps in Syria and the Rohingya community, right? Like they're going through this pandemic too and they do still are not, they still do not have the privilege that we do. So um, really important to kind of remember that um, as well. So yeah. we're very lucky. Um, we're very lucky. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think my thing would be you don't need to be productive. You don't need to come out of this having having written the great American novel. You don't have to have come out of this like have learned a new skill or anything. Like yeah. this is the time to just be still and be kind to yourself. Yeah. I think that's something that I, I'm trying to like just be kind to yourself. Like just because you have like a bunch of stuff to do on your to-do list and it hasn't been ticked off, it's okay because this is not a normal situation and there's no roadmap there's no way to actually deal with this right um and so just slowly slowly you know figure things out at your own pace you don't have to prove anything to anyone at this time it could also be used like as a time for reflection you know i think during ramadan yeah absolutely reach out to people that you feel like you've hurt reach out to people that you know you want to make right with it's all good yeah you know or just sit and be quiet. Yeah. And just like hang out in your Watch room. Bollywood movies. <laughs> yeah, that's what I have been oh my doing. God. Rest in peace, Rishi Kapoor. Irfan Khan. What a mess. Uh, Irfan Khan. Oh. I'm devastated by that one. Both but, of look, them. but that's another topic. Yes! We can Next visit episode, Bollywood another we time. really Because I know you're crazy about Bollywood. <laughs> I'm so crazy. Okay, okay. awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, Manal, for joining us. Thank you for having me, even though I am nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, like yeah because people know who yeah <laughs> whatever it's fine this is just yeah this was great um, no i've always um i've listened to fundamentalists um uh and it was very sad that you guys um stopped recording and i'm glad to be here <laughs> your first guest back on thanks for having yeah me. no of course i'm i'm um really glad that we could make this time happen and hopefully some you know, whoever's listening to this can take something. Right, absolutely. Like, get away from it. Yeah, um, definitely. And if anyone has any medical questions or anything like that, like, definitely. Oh, yeah, do you want to shout out, like, your Um. Yeah, handles? I don't even have, I don't even know what my handle is on Twitter. Uh, do you, I don't, I don't I, have you know it. I did? One thing I did for myself, which I deleted oh. Twitter when this all started, <laughs> so I'm not even on Twitter anymore. Um. Do you remember what your Instagram handle is? No, I don't. I could look it up. Whatever. You can just type an M on Fiza's (laughs) thing and you can find me. But, I I mean, like, I'm not a medical expert by any means. But if anybody has anything that they want to ask or, I don't know, if anyone wants to be friends with me, I'm looking for mm -hmm. new friends. (laughs) by myself. (laughs) Your Instagram handle is Manile, M-A-N-I-L-E-A-Y-D, Manile, A-Y-D. That's so awkward. Yeah. Um, and then my Instagram handle is 
the cold shoulder cat. And then on Twitter, I still have my Twitter. I'm just not active on it right now. Um, It's at cold shoulder cat. Um, And yeah, so follow us, like, subscribe, whatever you do with the podcast. Um, And we'll be back with new episodes on a semi-regular basis. (laughs) 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 That's all I can promise right now. God. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, everybody.